the worst boss they found had a salary 86 times their average worker's salary. Jim Mullen, his his take-home is 104 times more than his average median employee. I'm Neil Maggs, and this is Bristol Unpacked, speaking to fascinating Bristolians on topics where others may fear to tread. Brought to you by the city's community-owned media, the Bristol Cable. In this episode of Bristol Unpacked, we talk about the media and journalism with the former chair of Bristol National Union of Journalists and now treasurer, Paul Breeden. In a week that's seen around a 1,000 journalists from Reach PLC who own national titles like the Daily Express, the Daily Mirror and the Daily Star, as well as loads of local and regional titles, including our own, Bristol Live, seen these workers all go on strike over a 3% pay rise being offered by Reach PLC, which has been rejected. 79% of union members who voted did vote for strike action. This is in light of the two top executives in Reach pulling in nearly £7.5 million last year. So, why are they on strike? Is it about more than just pay? Why has it taken 40 years for local journalists in Bristol to go on strike when it could be argued that um, there's been a degrading of local journalism in this city for decades? What do NUJ members really want? Hopefully Paul's got the answers. Enjoy. And don't forget, if you do want to become a member of the Bristol Cable, do jump on our website and join us and pay money every month to shape the media in the city. And don't forget to like and subscribe to Bristol Impact. Hi, Paul. Hi. Hello, Neil. You've had a busy day today, haven't you? I have a bit. Well, uh, lots of lots of journalists in Bristol have, yes. I've been on the, the picket line with uh, my former colleagues at Reach. Yeah, I've been strike. following you on Twitter. I've been looking at some of the videos <laughs> and uh, some of the stuff happening on Twitter yeah, today. Yeah. Um, there's a great one, which is, I don't know if I can turn it up here. Is it Fat Cat Jim, throw him in the what, was it? Throw him in the bin. Throw him in the bin. <laughs> okay. And that's Jim Mullin, who is yeah. one of the top two executives at Reach, who yeah. um, earned... Um, I think it was up to about seven between the pair of between him and Simon Fuller, the other executive. It was about seven and a half million over the last um, year or two, which, in contrast to the pay of Reach PLC journalists, um, is a million miles away. There's the strike at the moment is over the fact that the um, journalists want a three percent pay rise, which has been rejected. Um, I want more than that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that's what the well they've you've been offered you've been offered more than three yeah. percent now. No, they've only been offered three percent, but which yeah, you know, clearly is is very inadequate given given the 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 rise in the cost of living at the moment. But but um, with what's coming around the corner this winter, it's you know, sure, it's just not not um, not feasible at all. And this is part of a kind of a wider uh, thing at the moment where lots of um, workers from different sectors are right, um, striking for pay. Yeah. Um, you were supposed to strike on to, to, as we as we record this. This is Wednesday, so the strike has happened today, yeah. um, which is a, a thousand journalists um, all across the country at the different Reach PLC. For those that don't know, Reach PLC is the former Trinity Mirror group that own uh, not just nationals like Daily Mirror, um, the Express, uh, uh, the Star, a few others, but also lots of the regional titles, including here in Bristol, mm-hmm. Bristol Live, mm-hmm. and. 
we were supposed to strike on Friday, mm. but the plug was pulled at the 11th hour. Just explain what happened. Sure. Um, I mean, Reach, in fact, owns um, most a majority of the local papers, regional papers in the country. It's now the dominant force in um, British regional journalism for, for good or ill. So what Reach does, um, you know, sets a benchmark, uh, which is one reason why um, it, it's so important that they um, improve their um, their wages and, and their, their working conditions. Um, but yes, what happened on Friday was the strikes have been long arranged. Um, it takes, Neil, you'll know this, but but others others may not. Journalists are, are if they're any good, they're awkward customers because you know our job is to ask awkward questions that people don't want to answer, and so we're difficult to organise, and you can't get us to do the same thing at the same time, um, <laughs> and get you know union activity um, is is really. You know, it's really, really hard to um, to arrange. Um, yeah. People have likened it to herding cats. So to get to get um, journalists voting as they did um, above, you know, seventy percent um, proportion voting for strike action um, is is extraordinary, and it shows you how angry they are um, and how how you know how bad how badly they feel that they they can't carry on as they are. And there's been a bit of a build-up to this, hasn't there? This hasn't happened overnight. I mean, it kind of, for, the, for the uninitiated, you may think suddenly uh, journalists are striking for pay, but there's been sort of grumblings around how Reach has been operating, particularly around the furlough situation um, and around the, the, the um, dividends that was paid. All, all, yes, absolutely. All, all sorts of things yeah. happened. During um, 2020, the, the COVID year, uh, or first COVID year, um, Reach... Um, we, which was in difficulties and in a very uncertain business climate, as every company was, um, cut staff salaries by 10%, um, which staff accepted at the time. But it became pretty clear as the advertising market bounced back that the company's fortunes had recovered. And so um, the NUJ took the um, took, well, threatened legal action against the company um, for a... Um, uh, so, well, for, for on behalf of its members, and Reach at first very begrudgingly because it realised it hadn't got um, hadn't got a leg to stand on, uh, paid back the money, but initially only to NUJ members because they were you know the NUJ clearly represents yeah. its members um, and can't speak for other people, um, and when other people other non-union um, staff at Reach asked what was happening, Reach said uh, no, no, we've reached a deal with the NUJ. You're not you're not getting anything. That became that caused such anger that that position became untenable, and in the end, Reach Reach paid back all the, all of the money it had docked. But it also um, had mass redundancies in that year. They they mm. made about three hundred more than three hundred people redundant across the country, and then as fortunes recovered almost as quickly the following year, it recruited more people. Yeah. So, um, and also, not only recruited more people, was still setting up, which happens quite regularly, new sites as well. So you'll see different yeah. um, live, you know, kind of the brand is live, yeah. uh, Bristol Live, Manchester Live, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that there, that there were more titles popping up as this happened as well. There were more titles popping up, but also the jobs that were created were often not as um, highly paid as the ones that, as the posts that have been made redundant. And typically mm-hmm. what happens in redundancy situations is that um, the older, more experienced, more expensive people are let go because companies don't want to pay their wage bills. 
And this is what's been happening in journalism in general over the yeah. last 20 years, uh, but particularly in the last 10. And people, people may not realise. People, um, I know, uh, you know, I'm really well aware that journalists are not the most popular um, profession in society. You know, you, in, in mm. opinion polls, we're way down there. Um, you know, with uh, with master criminals and, and estate agents, um, <laughs> but people probably think part of the reason for that is that they equate journalism with the worst excesses of um, the tabloid world. You know, yeah. What was you know what were the worst excesses, particularly of the Murdoch Empire, um, and they think they think so. They think journalists are a bit crooked. They, they're not to be trusted, and they're really highly paid. Well. Neither of those things are true for the vast majority of journalists, clearly. Um, most mm-hmm. journalists work in the regions in some sense, whether it's um, in broadcasting on TV or, or for uh, newspapers or, or, or websites. And the salary, let, let's drill into that then, because I think that is a, an attitude that, you know, it, it would have been considered a, a, you know, a, a well-paid career for a working it, it class was, person it, back pre, pre-whopping kind of days, but, but not, not, not kind of now. You're looking at people getting from 20, 21 to 20, I think 25 Thousand for a senior, is a, a senior junior and it's a reach. It's just yeah. amazing. And yet, uh, it, and, and let me just put some context to that. So, despite the pandemic, so that is what you know. So, twenty twenty five is a senior journalist, twenty one is a starting out journalist um, in, in a in a reach title. And despite the pandemic, and as we you just said, despite the redundancies that were made, new titles being set up, a, 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 a reduction, a ten percent um, reduction on salary. Uh, Reach posted a pre-tax profit of 143.5 million on a revenue of 615.8 million. Um, so when people do get kind of angry and point their guns at, at journalists, and that's a multi-layered, complicated sort of conversation as to why, um, people don't always understand the kind of context behind this. Um and the people that really should be criticised are shrouded from it half the time. Absolutely. They don't realise that the journalists, apart from a select few in the national media, um, are not earning a fortune, very far from it. Um, and one of the things that's attracted a lot of attention, attention in the discussion about the current dispute, which rightly amazes and appalls people, is that some journalists in this area are using food banks. That is just unprecedented. Now, I don't want to make a special case for journalists. All sorts of working people are using food banks now because um, that you know because so many people are poorly paid and poor and badly treated, and the benefit system is so rubbish. Um, so journalists aren't a special case, but it is the first time I've ever heard, ever known that that um, that journalists in what should be a well-paid profession in a profitable industry. Um, are having to do this, and they make um, you know for years they've been having to make um, decisions that that you know you, you'd wish they didn't have to. I've known you know talented um, young women in particular who leave the news industry because they want to start a family, and they 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 believe they can't afford well, they, they can't afford to on the on the salary they were on. Yeah, um, and and kind of PR as well. That I know you don't just represent journalists. The the, the NUJ also represent people who work in public relations and marketing and stuff a lots of people kind of you know sort of years ago it would be you know that would be dare i say sort of considered sort of you know a kind of 
a poorer version of journalism, really. Whereas now you, you, you get paid, you know, significantly more, a lot of people, if they move across. So that's quite common now. People starting their career in news and then moving across to PR really, really early. In the old days, it would be when someone's had enough of the newsroom in their sort of 40s, wouldn't it? Yeah. When they sort of, we'll, we'll just sort of, you know, go to the dark side, yeah. so to speak. That's what people would say. Yeah. And that, now it's it's a, it's a decision made in early early to mid-20s. You're absolutely right, Neil. And actually, it's even worse possibly than, than, than you know. I don't know if, you, if you've heard this but um you're absolutely right that it was a decision that people would a career decision people would make you know typically in middle age and they go on from you know what had be a reason been a reasonably well-paid job in the regional press or local radio um going to pr for more money for an easier life uh less yeah certainly less challenging um and uh, and for more money what's happening now and I'm, I'm told in bristol in the bristol reach office 14 staff have left in the last year that the, the union members have worked out. And, typ- and, and typically, many of them only last a year. And this, this is unprecedented. They just get completely fed up with the low pay, um, the, the, the poor working conditions. Uh, they're all working from home, by the way, um, with hardly any time in the office. So they're working from home, paying their own bills without any help. Um, and and completely isolated, and for young people, especially young people starting in the industry, that is a big um, a big hurdle, and it causes you know real. Kind I of think they have a big. I think there's a big um, there's a big staff turnaround um, within reach in in kind of general um, confession time. You know, some some listeners will will be aware, some won't. I did used to work there, and I'd never worked in an organisation. Um, and, and I'm quite familiar, and we can talk about culture a bit later, about cultures of newsrooms and stuff, not just pay, because I think it's more than just pay, um, the, the issues the issues that are, that are within reach. But um, I'd never, ever worked somewhere with such a high turnover of staff in my life. And, and you know, I've worked outside the media and in and different sectors. And um, when, when I saw that and I read that, about 14 staff since, since, just, since Christmas, that was very much a pattern when I was there. Um, and there's a tendency to, to, I think, you know, a grounding for um, a young journalist to to feel that high pressure um, of having to file the amount of the stories they do to kind of, you know, as you say, not being on great money, perhaps the, the culture not being as nurturing um, as it could or should be, people just kind of jumping ship and seeing it as a stepping stone. That's really, really common. It's because, And yet you think about it previously with the what would have been the Bristol Post or the Bristol Evening Post, you would have journalists that would have been there, you know, a long time you know traditional stalwart journeys that we've been there you know 10 20 15 years that just doesn't happen i mean there, there is one that's still left i'm, I'm not going to name it but i know it's high in the nuj parish but that but there isn't anybody left from that from 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 those times all this stuff is re- all this stuff is true uh paul um but all this stuff isn't new so all this stuff has been happening gradually sort of you know dripping away for for, for quite some time so my push my only sort of pushback would be this is the first time that journalists have gone on strike in Bristol for more than 40 years why is it taking them so long because things are so bad because because it's got to the point where um as we've been discussing people people will leave after as little as a year the job is that unattractive and yet the profession is very very attractive people you know you ask young people what they want, want to do and they you know the, the media they may not know which part of the media, but the media is a really popular choice. And um, university courses that involve journalism and the media are still really popular. And there are lots of there are lots of good courses around now, including um, 
at UWE here in Bristol. But the pay is a result that the the, um, the low pay, that the, the gradual um, stripping away of decent pay for journalists is something that's been happening incrementally for some time, and there is no coincidence that it's, it's happened in a in a in a time in an era where ownership of newspapers is completely um, kind of changed. That you know, Reach BLC is effectively owned by you know in, investment funds, isn't it? There's a number of um, in, investment organisations. Aberforth Partners, M and G Investment Management, J.P. Morgan. You know, it's on the it's on the London Stock Exchange. So, so this is so profit and uh, uh, making money is central to the Reach PLC model. It's getting it out as to as many uh, audiences as possible. So, you know, th- this is a result of surely people not seeing this coming further down the track. Well, that that's not new. News, newspaper companies, publishing media companies. Wanting to make money and making money is not new. Uh, in, in fact, it has been, especially, especially the regional newspaper industry, has been um, throughout most of the 20th century a really profitable business. In the days when people relied on their local evening paper or weekly paper for to find out not only what was going on in their area, but um, as a vital source of finding, finding new jobs, finding homes, finding places to rent, um, all these sort of things. In those days, all that advertising paid for an awful lot of journalists, um, and you know, and life was completely different. And now, what, one of the you ask why this is why this strike has happened now. Well, it's kind of the, the end of a road where journalism has been um, not de-skilled, but the number of jobs has really reduced hugely. You know, obviously, as you said, newspapers about it's it's a business, it's about money making, but there's often been um, owners that maybe have a um, you know, if you think about the press, obviously in this country, who owned the press, the big sort of Murdoch press, Maxwell, um, Rothmere, you know, there's this sort of newspaper kind of tycoon sort of stuff that might have a particular political agenda or might have a um, a, a sort of, uh, what's it? Somebody, somebody said to me the other day, this is the, the only time where um, a media outlet, and it's probably not exclusive to Reach, you could probably include Quest and others in that, is that it's actually about, purely about audience purely about almost to the point that sometimes an article will be written from both sides of 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 the fence it's about um there is nothing to do with influence nothing to do with power it's just purely about money 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 it's a stock exchange organization and i think i think um that journalists are seen as kind of worker ants to generate, well, I know that because I've worked there, uh, to generate income for the company. You just said about 150 journalists. You know, the newsroom I was in there had more people in the sales team than it did in the in the journalist team. You know, I'm just saying it's got so skewed that I, I don't think we've ever come to a point that we've sort of gone off the cliff a bit with this. And should we have seen this coming earlier down the track? And, and dare I say, should the, should the NUJ have stepped in and seen this coming further well, down the we've track? Been, we've been, the, 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 as I said earlier, journalists are really hard to organise and they're hard to get active in the union in big numbers unless they see that something is really seriously wrong. And the union's been banging on about this stuff, you know, um, since the dawn of time. Um, but my experience in the, I've always been a, an NUJ member since I started work. But not everyone does. And those people who are members um, don't always want to, um, you know, take or threaten any action. They want, you know, they're not in it for. Um, workplace politics they want to get on with their job um, and it's only in extremists 
And that, as I say, this is a mark of how bad things are, that uh, nearly all the reporters in Bristol and you know, large numbers in um, the rest of the Southwest and large numbers of the more senior roles at REACH um, are not only union members, but out on strike. They also have the sense that they can achieve something together. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, obviously the crucial lesson that is common to, um, you know, all, all trade unions. Um, you can achieve very little on your own, but if you have um, you know, preferably a majority of the workforce in favour of something or other and prepared to do something about it, you can bring about change and redress the balance. Um, and that, you know, to varying degrees, that has not, you know, not been thought necessary, but um, in, the, in, the last, in the last 40 years. Just jump in there and tell you about the Bristol Cable. We are looking for members, so if you're interested, you can jump on our website, chuck a pound in, five pound, whatever you want every month, and you can get a chance to have a say in the type of stories we tell, who we interview, the topics we cover, and you can be involved in meetings and AGMs and stuff. So if you're up for that, then uh, jump on the website and do have a look. And back to the chat. With regards to sympathy, I've been I've been keeping an eye on it. Actually, sympathy towards the journalist. You said it at the top end about not being the most you know the most popular of professions in this kind of day and age. You know, it, it perhaps not getting the same level of uh, public support that the postal workers would do or the the rail workers. Um, is that partly because of the because of the sort of model of journalism that we have today that people have lost respect for? Um, for the traditions and respect for the for the journalist a bit, I th- yes, I, th- I think I think um, a lot of people. If you stop people in the street and ask them what they think of journalism or journalists, you'll get a lot of negative opinions. But a lot of what people would then talk about would be quite old stuff um, about the Murdoch uh, Empire's um, phone hacking, tabloid gutter press hacks, and that kind of thing. Yeah, That's yeah, exactly. too, yeah. and, and yeah. persecution yeah. of uh, or, you know, perceived persecution of celebrities and so on. Um, and that you know, there are very few people who would who would defend that sort of thing. But clearly, that's not what most journalism is about. Now, to go back to reach, and you, you were talking about clickbait, it's not quite as simple as it as it might as it might seem. Not quite as um, black and white a picture. Um, yeah, it's true that reach and other publishers are because the model is you know most um, stories are now read online. Um, that that has changed journalism fundamentally. And you can pursue a model that says, well, we'll we just, we'll just put up stuff that attracts clicks. And you can be very cynical. I mean, there are other sites, you know, non-news sites or quasi-news sites that will actually make you uh, spread a, sto- a so-called story across many pages. So you have to keep clicking and you, you're seeing ad after ad because that's the only purpose um, that the thing's up there in the first place. Now, reach another, you know, responsible, more responsible news outlets are not like that. But they, what they do do is they have a very and this is very clever and very astute um, and it's and there's a lot of tech behind it they've got a focus on what is you know what is popular and what they can do in each of their regions because they cover you know virtually the whole country they will keep an eye on what's trending yeah um, across the country well they have a, they have a thing called chartbeat which measures how much 
uh, yeah, how many people read a story. Also, they have a thing about what they call dwell time. How many, how, how long, how long somebody's stayed in the article? They'll see something that's trending and doing well, uh, which is a, which is a kind of quote that used to happen. It's doing well uh, in Birmingham. And then sometimes what they'll do is sort of replicate a similar article in Bristol. I think that I think there's yeah I I think there's some cynicism about that, but I guess that is that you know what what you know what the, the pushback I think from 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 management within Reach would be that you know a click as a reader, newspapers have always had national news and always had kind of slightly what some people would call frivolous stuff in that. So this is a bit of a highbrow snobbishness. I think that's fine and I think that's probably true, but I also think that. Um, and there are some fantastic, brilliant journalists, local journalists at Reach that still manage to write good stuff Absolutely. that will also they, still be read, all, still be read by a lot of people. That's right. They all, that's what I was going to go on to say. Uh, they they all manage to write good stuff, and where they are allowed to develop experience and skills and contacts, which unfortunately is increasingly difficult, um, with you know no, not much career structure, um, you know very very little money, uh, very little time to be uh, to do investigative stuff, but. Um, where they're able to do that, there is some very, very good stuff um, coming out. And if you look, if you think of any, you know, big planning issue in the city, for example, you will you will find, I guarantee, in depth reports on it. Um, yeah, and, and even if you look on the, even if you look nationally, if you forget about Bristol, you know, Bristol, I think you're right. But if you look nationally around journalists that were holding the prime minister to account during the pandemic it was it was it was led by manchester evening news reporters liverpool you know liverpool echo um that were at the covid conferences and stuff like that and and um that that was really interesting to see that regional journalists being put on the same platform as national so I, so i do think there is i guess my point is i do think there is sometimes a slightly lazy analysis of what happens at digital media particularly from you know some alternative media you know some you know that obviously this is bristol cable i think sometimes people that read the cable have a puristic kind of attitude towards what journalism is. And I think it, I think you need to see it as a kind of plethora. There's a, there's a place for different things. However, however, I think that the, is the, is the mainstream model for me, media failing or certainly contributing to lack of trust, lack of quality and, and lack of nuance and depth? I'm not saying all of it is, but is that a contributory factor for why people... Well, there must be a- re- yes, there must be reasons why that's happening. Although during COVID, of course, the, um, the, the reputation um, of journalism and journalists you know, rose considerably um, um, and people, people um, when asked, said they really valued um, reliable information. They were relying much less on social media Certainly, much less on unmediated stuff, um, and they they really valued the kinds of newsrooms that I used to work in and uh, and do still exist. The business model, in terms of making money, is working and is successful because they're taking over more and more regional titles. My question would be: um, Is the you know that has it not kind of come to a place where the the kind of I guess the corporate owners are cutting costs? In order to keep up these profits, rather than absolutely. invest in the quality they just, product, absolutely. yeah, they they just aren't sharing the bounty that they've got. When, as you said earlier, when Jim Mullen, the CEO, um, he's taking home about four million pounds this year, mainly in share options, which um, were um, you know mandated earlier. But he's still he's still taking it home. He doesn't have to take them. Um, his salary is well over four hundred thousand um, pounds. When he's doing that, and when one of Reach's national titles, the Daily Mirror, 
presents itself as the champion of the working people in these, in these <laughs> yeah. times. I've got, yeah. um, I'll find it now. I've got a front page in front of me um, uh, where they had a front page with the pictures of several company bosses and they listed their salaries and how many times bigger their salary was, the chief executives, how many times bigger it was than the, than the average worker. Forgetting, rather stupidly, that the worst boss they found had a salary 86 times their average worker's salary. Jim Mullen, his his take-home is 104 times more than his average median employee. Yeah. Of course, it doesn't help the, the attitude towards um, uh, journalists. When you, you mentioned Trump earlier and you get the whole fake news and we've had this, I think the BBC have got their own disinformation uh, reporting now, haven't they, where we've had this, uh, you know, what what started off as democratisation of the media through social media and through new um, digital platforms. It's kind of morphed a bit where we don't quite know sometimes people's trust of what is true and what isn't has been merged. But it doesn't help when lots of politicians um, like Trump, like Boris, come out and attack journalists. I mean, that's happened quite a lot in this city with with Mayor Marvin Rees. Obviously, it happened over the learning to, uh, the LDRs. Just a quick explainer on the spat between Bristol Mayor Marvin Rees and local journalists in the city. In June this year, Marvin Rees decided to ban BBC-funded local democracy reporters after one journalist asked a question about his flight to do a TED Talk in Canada. After all, the local press united in condemnation and attracted national and even international pushback. Rees said that they weren't banned, they just weren't invited. And it's the latest in a series of run-ins between the mayor and the local press. Well, as as the, the the treasurer of the NUJ, when when and it is quite frequent that that the mayor makes comments about and and his um uh his head of office Kevin Slocum will make comments responding to articles on a regular basis publicly, not privately. I know they do it privately as well, but publicly on social media. Um, how, as the sort of NUJ kind of rep, how how does that sit with you when that happens? It's very regrettable, and I don't really understand why the mayor takes the attitude that he does to um, individuals in Bristol's media and to certain parts of it. Um, I think, um, incidentally, we saw some, I I think it's partly a mark of this mayoral model, which Bristol's now decided to um, get rid of. This isn't meant to to be a personal comment. We saw some of it um, with the the previous mayor, George Ferguson, um, and the two... Two of them, George Ferguson and Marvin Rees, have certain things in common. One of which is that they've not really had a political career before, and they they, they took on a big job, which was which was new, it was new in Britain, uh, but certainly new to Bristol, um, where they were kind of <laughs> almost like the president of Bristol, where they have huge responsibilities and where they are identified as responsible for everything. So they get you know they get a lot of flack. And that is difficult. And perhaps not used to that level of scrutiny if you've not worked in politics before. And they were both, George Ferguson, um, as I have personal experience of, could be very sensitive to what he saw as unfair criticism in the press. Um, And I think, you know, to a certain extent, I think that's understandable. What isn't acceptable, you know, in general terms is to politicians or any any public figures um, calling out certainly individual journalists. 
when they're when they're only doing their job and when they you know typically they can't respond it, it was part of being, but that was sort of an issue as part of a wider thing around around trying to control the media and there's always been that thing that little dance between politicians and journalists and you said about football earlier I used to do a bit of football reporting and you get the same thing with the, the press officers at football clubs but it definitely does seem to have reached a, a bit more of a I don't know, a bit more of a kind of a loaded, um, heavy in, in Bristol of it late. Is, it, is, it is more loaded. And I think, I think that's general because um, there are fewer journalists. There are mm. fewer senior journalists. It's a, it's a smaller ecosystem that uh, yeah. there to stand up to this sort of, um, um, to these yeah. sort of attacks. They, they will always happen. Politicians will always try to get the yeah. best coverage and to shut down any any negative coverage. But one of the, one of the complicated things with, with the relationship between um, the mayor and his team and, um, you know, the LDRs was effectively they, they see the LDRs as being um, uh, being paid by paid by the BBC yeah. and then reach not sending somebody along and they are sacking is, lots of lots of staff. So, so it was almost a bit of an NUJ type thing that that was the argument. Well, this is, forward, this is a, yeah, this is know. a good point. This is a good point. And, and there are, you know, we agree with the mayor on part of this. Um, the LDRs are basically a tax on the licensing fee payer, i.e. almost everyone. The government decided that um, because uh, local uh, media companies couldn't afford any longer. They, they were companies like Reach and their predecessors were telling the government, we can't afford to cover local councils, um, the health service, um, education and so on, as fully as, fully as we'd like. Um, we'll carry on doing it, but can you, um, you know, can you give us some help? The government decided to tax the BBC, make the BBC pay for it and set up the scheme. Um, and th- that money has come out of the, the, the programming budget, um, which it seems seems crazy to me, um, and and the, the unions never you know ne- never supported that model. However, that money does pay for some really good reporters who do really good work. So we yeah. don't think I, I I don't think that there's ever been a level of scrutiny that politicians have probably been used to with the LDRs. The other thing that makes it complicated, I think, with the relationship between the mayoral team and Reach in particular, again, is that. Uh, the, the the sort of frustrations that and, and the fall down of relationship is is also partly because um, there's this odd thing where um, the, the 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 paper was never was not denied access for an interview with the mayor for something like eighteen months to two years, but also received fifty thousand pounds of advertising from the mayoral team uh, for the for the for the for the mayor election. One thing the union. Well, yeah. The union is the NUJ is not unlike most unions. It's not party political. It's not affiliated to any political party. And the reason for that is, you know, we have to cover all of them. You know, we are a major conduit between um, uh, the, the people of the people of Britain um, and the things they need to know about. So if they think all journalists are, whether it's Labour, Green, Conservative, or whatever, um, they will have even less even less trust for us. Um, Have you had any support for the strikes, uh, Paul, from political party people, political parties? We've had, um, yes, we have. Um, we've had, uh, we had uh, Carla Denyer actually, the um, the Green co-leader and Bristol councillor, came to the picket line today, which and uh, she was made very welcome. It was really good to see her. I understand she's going to raise a question at the next full council meeting um, about about the strike. 
Um, and I think we'll ask the council to support um, the aims of the strikers. That was really good. There, and they've been. Would you have had? Would you have expected anyone from the Labour Party? Um, senior, because I, I think they were out supporting the postal workers, um, the the, the mayoral yeah. team, a couple it of weeks be, ago. It would be. What I will say is, it would be really good to see people of all political persuasions, all political parties, coming along to support um, uh, the strikers. What I will say is, I what what I know of is we have had several contacts with um, some of Bristol's Labour MPs and councillors, and they have been uh, they have been warmly supportive. Um, and sent messages of support. However, the you know I just note the the politician who turned up today was was Carla Denyer. But also, and and we've we've we skated over um, the you know the, the huge change that's taken place in the last twenty five years in the media landscape. It's the social media companies that have taken the lion's share of revenue that used to used to flow um, very comfortably into the coffers of um, the, the the big publishers. The Social media companies should be paying their way. An awful lot of the stuff that there are some Facebook reporters, aren't there? At Reach, there are some that are funded by Facebook, yeah, but it one, doesn't. You know, they're, sure, yes, yeah. there's one, and very much the model, the yeah. digital model, relies yeah. upon Facebook kind of audience, doesn't it? It does. Yes, it relies on the Facebook audience, but Facebook relies and Google relies on journalists who work for you know all kinds of different media organisations producing. Um, well-written, well-researched stories that then filter either in whole or in part onto the social media platforms. Um, they, you know, they are using this stuff effectively for free, um, and it, you know, it's 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 not. I say it's not fair. <laughs> it should stop. Sure. Um, yeah. It's going to yeah. take more than that, but it's it's not it's not equitable, um, and you know the, the scale of the 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 funds that have flowed from. Um, British media companies to you know the, the the handful of American social media giants is enormous, and I think this is my personal view is um, the social media companies have consistently said they are not the same as media companies. They are not publishers. They are um, they are platforms that anyone can put anything on. Well, of course they can't put anything on. Increasingly, we're all demanding that um, Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat. Take down all sorts of things that are harmful, uh, that, that are misinformation, that damage people's health, um, that exploit children. We, we, you know, we rightly demand now this stuff is taken down. It's still not. It's still not done very effectively. But it shows, it exposes the lie that these companies are not publishers. They are publishers, and they should be held. In my view, they should be it's held the to the same standards as the Bristol Evening Post and the Bristol Evening Post publishes a story that's you know factually incorrect or damages someone's reputation or um you know promotes something that's um some supposed uh, health story that actually would damage your health there are several things that people who don't like that story can do about it and you know there you know there, there are ways that in which that can be corrected just turning left slightly uh, um from from that we we are in a, in a in a local media landscape where yes i think more and more you're, you're right that um, in terms of audiences and in terms of um, hitting the numbers that they do, they really do need Facebook. But as you say, Facebook do need them. But we are in a situation where we've got um, 240 regional newspapers in the country, of which 70% are owned by three UK companies, NewsQuest, Reach and, and National World, um, which is 
a greater share of, of local titles than the smallest 52 local publishers combined. So, so should we be looking at, you know, and I'm not saying this just because the cable of that, you know, there's Bristol 24-7 and there's other, there's other organisations across the country as well. Should we be looking at more different models of ownership that are actually locally owned, not just owned by these big, you know, they're, you know, people, they're sort of decrying Facebook, but actually, you know, it's just a bigger fish in, 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 in the same pond that effectively you've got big um, national organisations running local news should we not sort of should we not examine and look at that model a little well, bit should, which has led us to this I point now i don't i don't think i don't think it's my place or the union's place to say we should take um you know ownership of news local news out of national companies hands i think you know i, I just don't think that's a question we we want to answer I, th- I think there should be plurality there should be there should be choice competition in news is always good and it's great. I mean, the Bristol seventy percent is seventy percent plurality. No, no, no. What I mean is, uh, no. The, the the situation of you know, the current ownership situation is 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 bad. Um, there, you know, there are too many effective local monopolies now. But what what that has has caused is superb um, organisations like the Cable, which is you know shining light. And that is well known nationally, as you know. It's not just well known in Bristol. Um, uh, it, it this is. This is the, this, the situation has caused these great new initiatives. The, the cable is fantastic, and not enough people um, know about it. Um, so, could there, but you know, you said about money going to the LDR as public money. Could there be more money going into startups and co-ops and, well, and, and you know, alternative yeah, yes, media yes, sources? Yes, could. could be looking for that as well. Yes, there could. But I've got I'm, I'm wary about that because um, I think it is big, well-funded organisations that um, are by and large, are needed to give us a healthy news diet. And what I mean by that, and I'm going to say, I guess we're going to, we're going to end soon, but I'll, I'll end on this by sounding like a real old fogey. I think, I think we have lost a lot since the days when people typically bought a, news, a, a printed newspaper and leafed through it. Now, I know a lot of people would pick up a paper and some would turn instantly to the sport, some to the TV, but an awful lot of people would leaf through and see an awful lot of different stories um, that they just don't get anymore. If they're flicking through Facebook and and picking up uh, what they want to pick up off that, even if they're visiting, um, you know, the Bristol Live website, um, they will not see probably the same variety of uh, stories that they would have done in the old days had they been flicking through a newspaper. Um, and that really worries me. And I think that has that that change has led. Um, Directly to the the polarisation of you know this is sound very grand analysis but the polarisation of our society and the and the the drive to popularism um, uh, because people are increasingly able to choose the news they want and the case becoming side, yeah the, the becoming like an echo an echo big echo chamber we are yeah, all yeah. operating in big echo chambers and when you had you know when cities had you know Bristol used to have two or even three daily papers when you had that you had some choice um and you know in in the old days a majority of households would be reading one or one or other of them um it was a much sound you know sound like a a doctor telling you to eat your greens but it was a much healthier media diet so there's room there's room for 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 everyone in this in this but i think i think that you know the crucial players the the really important players are, are the big ones whether it's locally or nationally it's you know it's the BBC and ITV and Sky, um, 
but having having big, really well resourced, well paid teams that can research things thoroughly, and you want the same sort of thing replicated as far as possible at a local level, and that you know just isn't happening at anything like the same extent that it was. There is still good stuff there. It's not you know it's not all clickbait, um, and the journalists are just as uh, um, dedicated as as they ever were. Many thanks to Paul Breeden, the treasurer of the NUJ in Bristol, for talking to us this week. We'll be back next week with a brand new topic and have a fantastic guest. Thanks for listening to Bristol Unpacked. I'm Neil Maggs, and a big thank you to Afra Evans, our audio editor, Adam Cantwell-Corn, our executive producer, and Blue Dog for our music. And to hear more episodes of Bristol Unpacked, you can head to Spotify. Apple Podcasts or Acast or any podcatchers that you listen to your podcasts in.